Yes, another episode of the Pushing Rubber Podcast. How your day has improved mightily now that the Adam Piggott is reflecting across the airwaves of the entire world. Anywhere in the world do you have an internet connection? And of course, you have the mouth, the foresight and the good taste and the style uh, to be associated with the Pushing Rubber Podcast. This is episode 135. I am your host, with the most is Adam Piggott coming to you from a very windy and stormy uh, Holland here on a Sunday afternoon. We've got a big storm impacting on us. It actually killed my umbrella today. I had a beautiful uh, umbrella, a London undercover umbrella. Uh, I've had it for several years. It was a present to me from my father. Uh, and I've always kept it in very good condition, extremely high quality. This storm killed it today on my way back from church literally turned it inside out done dusted i'm gonna have to get another one but i'll get the same one london undercover london undercover umbrellas there you go they don't they haven't sponsored me but i'll i'll flag them because uh they do very good uh very good umbrellas until a big storm by the name of dennis the menace turns them inside out hope you guys are doing well um hope you've had an excellent week i'm doing pretty well um i've had a good week tomorrow i'm off to aberdeen for work gonna go there for a few days i haven't been to aberdeen before i've only been to scotland once uh and that was for my wedding so yeah this should be uh bring back good memories um <laughs> yeah there we go living the dream uh we've got the first buds of spring starting to emerge i've got a few plants just outside my window um and uh they've got the green shoots that are now coming up from them i think they're a bit early i think they're a bit premature we're not at the end of um we're not at the end of winter yet, and I think it's going to get a bit. Looks like the two-week forecast is for it getting a bit colder here in the Netherlands. So we we really haven't had a cold winter this year. Definitely not on the scale of the last two years that I've been here. Um, we haven't had a a day. I, I think our lowest maximum temperature is about five degrees centigrade or something like that. Whereas in the other years that I've winters that I've been here, the canals are frozen solid, so um, pretty mild all things considered. Of course, they'll the usual suspects will start screaming that that's global warming and ignore the fact that it snowed several meters in Iraq for the first time since biblical era. So anyway, but I'm off to Aberdeen for a few days, going to check that place out, um, and hopefully flying into Aberdeen, the storm's not going to send my plane sideways. Uh, we'll have to see about that. Um, things happening this week? Well, you know, um, well, I, I put it all in the hot chicks and links. What do you want to know? Um, that's all I've got on that regard. Um, pretty quiet old week on the blog. You'll notice, yeah, I haven't really posted that much. Um, I had my Jordan Peterson kind of retrospectives last Sunday and Monday or whenever it was, and that was it. Um, I sat down a couple of times to write 
an article for the sake of writing an article and I had nothing, nothing was coming out. And I'm not, I don't want to waste your time. I'm not going to put out something that's just, you know, going to be ridiculously shit. So I, I didn't, I didn't do anything in that regard. Uh, so yeah, a bit of, bit of a quiet, quiet old week on the website. I have sold a few books though, which is nice. Um, anyway, um, you're listening to this show because you love the Pushing Rubber podcast because it's a manly show about manly men doing manly things. And today's topic, I'm, I'm just going to go straight into it. Um, I've written an article about it. I was going to do the podcast first on this subject and then write the article afterwards. And the idea was that I would use the podcast to get my ideas together. Um, but I ended up sitting down and writing the article anyway. Uh, and I'm going to put the article up on Monday morning. Um, and the title of the article is You Don't Need Game in Marriage, But You Do Need God. So this has been a 15-month journey for me from when my ex-wife torpedoed our marriage in late October 2018 to now, mid-February 2020. Um, and it's taken me it's taken me this long to formulate in my mind, what I've learned from this whole episode. And also, it's taken me this long to really learn the lessons that I needed to. Because when you're wrapped up emotionally at the beginning in that sort of thing, you you can't see the wood for the trees. And anyone trying to give you any, any advice or talk to you is pretty much shouting at a deaf person. Um, I initially wrote a few articles uh, just after the breakup, kind of like November uh, of 2018. Um, and I, I've spoken about those articles uh, in the one that I'm going to put up tomorrow. And specifically, uh, a year or so earlier, I'd written an article called You Don't Need Game in Marriage. And... Immediately after the breakup, I assumed that I was horribly incorrect on that front and I wrote a retraction of it. Dalrock then linked to that and he wrote a long piece. Um, and then I wrote something again uh, about happiness in general. And then I basically let it be. Um, and so we are 15 months later and now... I'm going back to it. I, I've I've come close to approaching this over the last couple of months. Um, Sigma Frame wrote an article on game, um, which uh, what was the name of that one? I've got it. I actually bookmarked it because I knew that I was going to need that one uh, on the spiritual significance and social value of game. Um, and that one came out in November, and that one, that one hit a hit hit a nerve with me. But I still needed to let it sit. So November, December, January—that's four months ago. 
Um, I needed to let it sit and ferment, basically. I really have been working this stuff out over the past 15 months. And I finally felt ready today to, to be able to put it down. I wrote the article. Like I said, I'll put the article up tomorrow. Um, I'm doing this podcast now because uh, some of you, a lot of you prefer just to listen to the podcast. A lot of you prefer to read the articles. Some of you do both. Um, I've said stuff in the articles, but sometimes you can just talk as well and get some other stuff out there as well. Um, so let's talk about game to start off with. There have been a few interesting things written about game. Deep Strength wrote some interesting things about game uh, last year. Roosh, in January this year, pulled all of his books related to game, which I've really respected because that shows real skin in the game to do that. Um, one of the few guys out there really practicing what he's preaching. Um, and, and Roosh pushed game for 20 years. He based his whole life around it. So a retraction of that type is pretty impressive and has to be taken seriously. You can't, you can't, you can't blithely dismiss something, like, someone like Roosh uh, walking back on everything that he's propagated and pushed for the last twenty years. You've got to take that seriously and have a good in-depth, in-depth look at what he's saying for yourself. Um, my major issue with game has always been that it's exhausting to base a relationship on game means that you're always one misstep away from disaster and and that's not a that's not a that's not a a moral or spiritual place that i that i want to be so in that regard don't get me wrong i've used game before in the past before it was before it was defined as game. But that was more setting the frame for relationships than anything else. The type of women that game works on are not the type of women that you want to associate with. And the willful fornication um, of the last three generations or so um, has left us all morally and spiritually bankrupt in a lot of ways. I look back upon my own journey. Thankfully, as a whitewater rafting guide, the type of girls that I was associating with were of a much higher standard than what you get today on Tinder or something like that. Um, And it was my frame associated with my rafting position that scored me the hot chicks, not so much my my game uh, in of itself. Um, but I've never been a fan of game because you're basically a performing monkey, um, performing for the female in question. And when you cease performing or when you, when you make a misstep, it's all over. So when I wrote, you don't need game in marriage, I was correct. The problem with that was that I was only partly correct. Um, and I, in the article, I've likened it to playing football 
and saying, I don't need to make fancy plays to win the game. So the fancy plays a game. Okay, I don't need to do that. And that was correct. You do not need to make fancy plays to win a game of football. But what I omitted was the fact that you do need to score goals. You can't just refuse to do the fancy plays but not score goals. And it was the scoring goals part that I had arrogantly assumed did not pertain to myself because A, I'm me and I'm special and B, I'd found a special unicorn and she was special too. Special, special, special. I think one of the big things I've learned over the last 15 months is that you are not nearly as smart as you think you are. (laughs) Not even close. And it's a very humbling experience to go through that. And I look back on my godless marriage, and that's the whole thing. So how do you score goals? You need to have a biblical marriage with children. So I had a um, non-biblical marriage without children, which meant that I had a marriage based on nothing. Nothing at all. So... My ex-wife and I had a godless marriage and a childless marriage, which means that we didn't have anything at all. Um, I couldn't expect moral behavior from my wife in such an arrangement, looking back on it. Um, As I wrote, uh, a non-biblical marriage is entirely devoid of any moral meaning, so... Why should I have been surprised when my wife at the time acted in an immoral manner? In effect, I invited the disaster upon myself. Um, And I noted that, in that sense, her act of ending the marriage was somewhat of a mercy killing because the two of us were just frivolous amusements for each other. Uh, It was all good while things were going well, and the arrangement suited the both of us, but ultimately was devoid of any meaning and substance. Um, it doesn't mean that her behaviour was acceptable. It was immoral behaviour that she did to end the marriage, but the marriage was immoral to begin with. So damned if you do, damned if you don't, in that regard. Um and that thus then is, is my big takeaway and lesson from the last 15 months is that if you don't have a marriage uh, founded on uh, biblical patriarchal precepts with children, then you don't really have you don't really have anything at all. In that sense, um, you're just, you're just a boyfriend, which is more like a pet than anything else. And pets can be discarded when they no longer have any use. What I'm getting to in that is that I now find myself in a really good place, personally, morally, uh, spiritually, um, and physically. 
and I'm content and grateful for um, the position that I now find myself in. I may find someone else, and if I do, it'll be a biblical patriarchal marriage, and I might die alone. Um, but what I'm not living anymore is a life of self-deception. Is a, I'm not living a lie in that sense. Um, this is a very difficult and dangerous spiritual time for us. I think it would have been easier to live in 1916, it would have been less dangerous to live in 1916 than it is now. Uh, it was physically more dangerous to live in 1916 because um, you're liable to be blown to pieces on the Western Front. But spiritually, it was a much better place to be. Spiritual danger is much more serious than physical danger. Because spiritual danger affects how you're going to go after you're here. And we live in dangerous spiritual times. And you have to tread very, 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 very carefully indeed. The reason it has taken me 15 months to get to where I am now, in, a, in, a, in this sense, as of the things that I've learned and also my emotional state and that sort of thing is down to a couple of things first of all you do need time to sort yourself out when something like this happens and what i was very careful to do was to avoid any contact with women in this time i, I have had a dalliance but that was it and it was very short-lived um but apart from that i have stayed away from women um, as much as I was able to because I just look some people's weakness is alcohol drugs gambling smoking going out and blowing all your money on fast cars whatever the case may be my weakness has always been chicks so when I have an emotional upheaval with a chick the last thing I need to do is go out and get chicks that's courting disaster so I've really been a bit of a turtle in this time. I've, I've, I've pulled myself into my shell and put up the barriers. The moat, the, 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 the drawbridge has come up over the moat. I haven't been letting anyone across it. Um, and that takes time to sort yourself out. So that's the first thing. The second thing was that after my marriage went to the crapper, um, I eventually went back to church. Now, it took me a while. Uh, it took me almost a year after um, my marriage dissolved, after my ex-wife walked out of me. She walked out of me the end of October 2018. It was I went to an Easter service um, at church in 2019, so, you know, five or six months later, but it wasn't until September 2019 that I started regularly attending Mass, Catholic Mass again. Um, and I did that, and that was, that was after an absence of pretty close to 35 years. Now, my initial reasons for going back were pretty much centred around personal survival. 
in an emotional sense and with an absence of support where I'm living, I really had nowhere else to turn. I'm not a man who pushes his religion. I might have gone back to church, but I know within myself that it's taken me 35 years to get there. And nobody on this world, in this world could have said something to get me closer to going back. If in August last year, someone had come up to me and said, Oh, Adam, you really need to go back to church and tried to push me. I wouldn't have gone probably just to, just to spite that individual. So it's a very personal thing, which is why I don't push it. I don't push it on my blog. I don't push it in my writings. I don't push it in my podcast. And I'm only talking about it now because it's relevant to the topic at hand. But everyone, everyone's on their own journey. Nobody convinced me to return, so why should I try to convince anyone else? So I'm not here to tell you that, you know... Going back to the church is going to fix it all for you. Because you know what? It probably won't. It won't. You need to go back to the church because you want to go back and you need to go back. And that's when it will be successful for you. And that's the big blessing that I had as a result of this divorce. I'm better off now than I was 15 months ago. If I look back to how I was living, particularly in the last year or so of my marriage, it was a miserable fucking time and I was doing my best to put a brave face on it. Because a godless marriage is a marriage based on nothing. While it works, it works and it worked great for us. My ex-wife, she was a unicorn in the sense of how a unicorn is defined in the manosphere, that's what she was. And even that couldn't survive um, a marriage based on, a marriage that was spiritually and morally bankrupt. It suited my ex-wife to be with me, so she was with me. And then while she was was with me, she put 100% of her effort into it, so it was a wonderful marriage in that sense. But as soon as it began to not benefit her as much as it did in the past, then that was it. And I think, looking back on it, that she spent two or three years extricating herself. I think that's how long it was. I think it was back in Australia, uh, in Melbourne, that she first began, she first made that switch for whatever reason. Um, and so where I am now, it's somewhat of a relief. It's, it's like, it's like waking up after a vicious fog has enshrouded your life. Um, and damn, it was hard to get through these last 15 months. Really, really, really difficult. Very difficult indeed. Um, you, 
you got to have a lot of staying power. And like I said, I went back to the church because I needed to go back. I was not in a great place. Doesn't mean I was going to do anything stupid like, you know, top myself or turn to drink or anything like that. But you can self-sabotage in other ways, more maliciously too, like um, sabotage your work or something like that. Um, That's all very possible in the scheme of things. So that I've held it together in this time, I'm very, very happy with. I'm very happy with myself and I I deserve a pat on the back for that one. I'll tell you that right now. But we don't get pats on the back because we're men. And men just have to suffer in silence. Stoicism and all that. But my advice for what it's worth for guys out there is, is no, you don't need game in marriage. You don't want it because if you're using game in marriage, you're, you're attracting the wrong type of woman and you're starting things off in the wrong way. You need biblical patriarchy and a woman who's going to love, honour and obey you um, and who is going to put you first after God. Who's going to bear you lots of children who has not fucked around before marrying you. Who definitely does, doesn't have any other kids and doesn't hasn't gone to college and accrued a whole bunch of debt. She doesn't have any tattoos. She doesn't believe in feminism. She doesn't even believe in voting. And she leaves that up to you to tell her if she does vote, which way she's going to do so. The finances are handled by you and you alone. And she's comfortable and trusting and loyal uh, in that sense. Um, She works hard to make your home a better place. And she always takes your side against the children. Those women are out there. But if you're only hanging out in the barn, all you're going to do is meet pigs. I don't know who said that recently, but someone did. And it's really apt. Very, very true. Guys on our side of the internets are very prone to declaring that there's no good women out there, but all they do is hang out in barns attracting pigs. Don't be surprised if you hang out in a barn that you attract a whole lot of pigs. Then they'll say, oh, well, you know, at the church, the women are even worse. But the churches that they're talking about are basically barns as well. Um, And you know what? You might not find one. Okay. Okay. If uh, we look at uh, your hierarchy of sexual options... And I've taken this from uh, Andrew Anglin, who's not someone that I normally read, but I found this cruising around the internet. Hierarchy of sexual options. This is what he's written. According to the laws of God and nature, there are seven options for dealing with the sexual drive for men. These are from best to worst, marriage with children. Number two, celibacy. Number three, whoremongering. Number four, leechery, in brackets, slut hunting. Number five, rape, 
Number six, being a boyfriend, in brackets, i.e. a human pet. And number seven, masturbation. Jerking off to porn. I think he's got it partly correct. I think marriage with children has to be biblical marriage with children. Now later on in the piece, he, uh, let's have a look. Later on the piece, does he said something about Christianity? Um, but if you take that in together, that's pretty close. His hierarchy of sexual options. So, biblical marriage with children, celibacy, or whoremongering. Uh, I'll quote for, from him. Um, in his view, only the first three should ever be considered valid, valid options for a dignified and self-respecting man. Whoremongering being the lowest of the three valid options is a sin, but it is the lesser sin. And if you cannot marry and control your sexual urges, it is the lesser sin and God is merciful and he understands the hellscape we live in. Uh, what I will also say is that there is much less shame in the purchasing of sex than there is in begging for scraps from some whore and saying it's free, in inverted commas. Um, and if you looked at the whole Tinder dance, the one thing that really strikes me about that whole Tinder scene and everything associated with it and all the other sites are the same sort of stuff, is how degrading it is for a man and how performance monkey um, framing the whole thing is. And, and one thing I've always been true to myself, even from a very early age in my teens, is I've never performance monkeyed for sex. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna betray my own principles just to get laid. And if you do betray your own principles just to get laid, it means that you're a whore yourself and you have no principles to begin with. You can't be that hard up. Well, a lot of guys are. Especially now in the fucked up society in which we live. The options aren't great. And I've just listed them out there, the hierarchy of sexual options. And I'll link that in the show notes and you can check it out for yourself. But these are the, these are the hard-won lessons that I've learned over the past 15 or so months, and even longer than that. And I was married for 10 years, don't discount that one. That's how long we kept it together in an immoral marriage, which is pretty good going, because for the vast majority of that time, it was a lot of fun. But that's the key word, it was fun, it was frivolous, it was meaningless, it was nothing, and so in the end, I had nothing. So when my ex-wife 86 the marriage, it was a mercy killing. That's what it was. And Dalrock, in the article back in November 2018, as a response to the stuff that I was writing about my uh, collapse of my marriage, 
He wrote this uh, sentence, If a man doesn't believe in biblical marriage, then not only does marriage have no moral meaning, but the very idea of marriage is downright absurd. And that hit the nail on the head. And I read it at the time, and it didn't have any meaning for me at all. None whatsoever. It was if I'd read, And the cat was blue and ate some food. It had no, I had no connection with it at all because that was November 2018. I went to the Easter service the following year. It wasn't until almost 12 months later that I went back to church. It had no impact on me. It had no resonance whatsoever because I wasn't ready to hear it. But he was right. And a godless marriage or a godless relationship is is nothing at all. I don't care who you are. None of us can flamboozle our way out of that one. It's just not possible. And this is my big takeaway. This is my big lesson. You can do with my own lesson what you will. Dalrock took me to the water, but he couldn't make me drink. It took me 15 months for me to be able to take a sip from what he was saying. Now it makes perfect sense. And I look back on where I was two years ago in my marriage at the time with bemused amusement at how I was kidding myself. Because that's what I was doing. I was just kidding myself. It doesn't hurt to say that at all. It really doesn't. I have a self-satisfied smirk on my face as I say this. Isn't that wonderful? I find that eminently wonderful. So that's it. I hope there's been something in this for you. And this will be reflected in my next book. And thank God I didn't get this book out before this all happened because... Well, I think that's pretty obvious. Shout-outs, Captain Capitalism, Aaron Clary. Check him out at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. He's got many books, a couple of podcasts, an arsehole consultancy business where he tells you how it is. Uh, He's a great friend of this uh, podcast and of me. And uh, throw all the support his way that you can. You're doing me a favor. Um, If you like this podcast, you can follow my podcast. Just click follow there on SoundCloud. Inching up to 250 followers. Uh, If you like, really like me, you can follow my blog. And every time I uh, publish an article, you'll get a little email with a direct link. Letting you know that I've got something out. That's all it is. I don't, I don't send anything else through it. I don't even know how to. 
Um, my books, Pushing Rubber Downhill and Run Guts Pull Cones. I've been selling. It's steady, you know. And it, you know, it's four years after I put the first one out. It's five years, I think, after I put the first one out. And still selling pretty well. I think I've sold a few thousand copies of the first one. I'm happy about that. Pick those up wherever you want. I got them. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. And um, this is this is this has been an important podcast. Um, catch the article tomorrow. I'm going to put it up Monday morning uh, European time before I fly out to Aberdeen. I won't be posting um, Tuesday, Wednesday while I'm there. Um, because I'll be too busy. I'm just not not doing it. But um, the articles have a sum up of this stuff as well. Um, I hope you enjoyed this one. You guys take care of yourselves. And uh, I'll talk to you again next week. Ciao.